Well, here it is, and once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabalera. We are recording on Tuesday, 2.22 at 2.22 p.m. We figured that we would do it just to say we did it. And I want to remind you that the 7th Annual EMS Trend Report will provide expert analysis measuring the trend shaping the future of the profession. This year's survey seeks to explore issues directly tied to provider recruitment and retention. Also, we want to look at physical and emotional safety factors and management support. Look for the link in the show notes, or you can visit ems1.com backslash 2022-trend-survey with a backslash. Here's a man that always represents the backslash, my good friend, the one we call Kelly Grayson. Kelly Grayson. I think I'm more of an ellipsis than a backslash. I, oh, you uh, think so? Yeah, yeah. I'm an ellipsis. Maybe a semicolon sometimes, but but rarely a backslash. I would have said a, a true, a real true exclamation point. There you go. There you go. Now I'm flattered. Now, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm flattered in the in the punctuation uh, in the punctuational sense. The way I've looked over the past few years, I'm kind of an ampersand or a, or a, or an at sign because I'm nice and round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, how are you doing, man? Good week. It's been good. Been good for me as well. So Handling some business. Actually, talking before we recorded, you actually saw the Spider-Man movie. Do you want to give us your uh, Siskel and Ebert uh, two thumbs up review on the movie? Two thumbs up. I, I would, you know, I look more like Roger Ebert than I do with well, Roger Ebert pre cancer and surgery. Um, but yeah, two thumbs up. I'll give one. I'll give two thumbs up for for Siskel too. So that makes four thumbs up. It's an awesome movie. What's good about this whole thing is the ability you have to count. So I think that, okay. that worked out really well as too. But uh, so uh, I haven't seen it yet myself, the Spider-Man movie. Everybody's talking about it. I do want to be able to check it out. You know, I've kind of been waiting for some of these movies to stream, um, you know, getting to the movies. I, I got to tell you, I miss going to the movies, man. I enjoyed going to the movies. Yeah, I do too. All right. Well, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I missed it uh, a lot. Um, you know, you, you can you can enjoy a movie from your from your own home and but the experience, you know, it's just not the same uh, going out and eating some overpriced popcorn and and uh, goobers and raisinets and and, uh, and enjoying a movie theater. What what we like, uh, Katie Beth and Nancy and I like is going to the movie bistros. Have you ever been in one of those where they where they bring you drinks and food? Yep. Yep. Sure have. And yeah, those are pretty awesome. Yeah. There was a place in Fort Worth, Texas. That was a, a dinner place too. So you could actually have dinner and then go to the movie when you were Yeah. Same, there. same here. They have one in like Charles. So, well, very cool. So if you got special things going on with movies in your place, let us know what kind of things, because they're doing different things now and they're trying mm-hmm. to entice people back into the theater. Right. So we may yeah. have to see some of those different things that are going on, but let's get to the topic at hand. Uh, you know, we try to kind of keep things as fresh as we can every so often, you know, we do like to talk about the news. It seems that the listeners miss our take on the top news stories and uh, we kind of moved away from it. We used to do that pretty often and now we get, get to it a couple of times, you know, once or so every other month, but today's the day Kelly, that we're going to look at the news stories that are kicking off this week inside EMS. And I'm going to give you the first story to talk about. There's uh, three towns in in New York and Massachusetts uh, are looking at creating a joint EMS agency, and I found this interesting because it's it's uh, 
you know, it's, it's two states who are, who are uh, uh, residents of which are, are trying to form a, uh, a EMS council between the, between the two states. Um, <clears throat> this is in, uh, this is in uh, upstate New York, the, the Northern Catskills EMS council is the proposed, uh, proposed name of the, the new council. And it's three towns in Northern Delaware County uh, in Oneonta, New York. EMS has, has been lacking, and they're looking to pool their resources and form a uh, a, a regional EMS council. But I, I don't know how EMS councils work when it's when it's two states involved. I mean, there are different regulatory issues and and that sort of thing, man. But I find it kind of interesting. Uh, Stanford Fire Department uh, members and uh, EMS providers and residents have have moved to to form this new EMS council up there. You know, I think that the, it's a good thing, right? I mean, when you start to think about this from the standpoint of EMS, you know, there are a lot of EMS agencies, specifically private agencies, that operate in different states, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's really cool. Now, one of the things that has to happen in the sense of these states coming together to develop their own EMS agency is one of the things that I would recommend first and foremost is take the ego out of this process. You know, yeah. when you talk about it from the standpoint, you said it very well, you know, what protocols and, you know, regulations and those types mm -hmm. of things. Well, if you really want to get this done, some rules and laws have to change. And, you know, you and I have been on this kick, you know, for the past couple of weeks uh, in the topics that have come up where we talk about response times and where we talk about RFPs and where we talk about yeah. different delivery models and where we think about the EMS shortage. This is a great time, Kelly, to start to think about some of the things that have to happen inside our career field that we are now taking a different approach to what EMS is going to look like. So I say taking a page out of the Kelly Grayson colloquialism, you know, <laughs> good on these states. Yeah. We're trying something new and trying to get it done. Now, we just hope that when people are sitting around the table, they do everything there is that they can do in their powers, individual powers, to make this endeavor work. Because we, we need to see some of these role models happening inside the United States, because there are going to be other states, there are going to be other cities there are going to be other counties that need to look at this type of model to sustain for mm -hmm. the future. And we need lessons from people who are going to be successful on it. So I say cheers to these people. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I would assume that, uh, that members, uh, working crews in this EMS council would probably have to be certified in both States. I, I know that working for, for my employer, I have to be a, uh, paramedic license in Louisiana, as well as Texas, because frequently they will call us over to Texas to cover, uh, and, uh, they'll, we'll, we'll run calls into Texas and transport to Texas hospitals and vice versa. Uh, so I would assume that they will be, you know, dual registered, uh, or dual certified in, in both those States. Um, but this is kind of what the EMS compact uh, was was meant to do, but but on a on, on an emergency and disaster scale, you know that that if you needed temporary help or mutual aid uh, because of some widespread problem, uh, that uh, it erased some of those regulatory obstacles uh, to to bring in help from other states. Uh, but this is this is going to be longer tenured and longer lasting than that, 
Uh, and I, I wish them, uh, I wish them well in Stanford and Worcester, New York and Wichenden, Massachusetts. Uh, hope these guys, uh, their, their new EMS council, uh, takes off and runs well. So mine goes to safety, you know, in this process where we think about it, we're starting to see a lot of things happen from a safety standpoint. And my story comes out of Maryland where a Mar Maryland man allegedly assaults providers steals the rig and leads police on a chase you know kelly 15 years ago 20 years ago this was unheard of but it oh, seems yeah. that more and more people are jumping into ambulances and you know at, at the hospitals where they're unlocked and they're running we keep them running right maybe that's something we shouldn't do and uh, people are now getting into the ambulances and they're stealing them in this particular case in montgomery county maryland the patient was being transported to the hospital caller. in a private ambulance and then that patient allegedly attacked the EMS providers and stole their ambulances. Mm. And remember, I don't know who these paramedics were, and I hope that they're okay. Or the EMS providers, I don't know if they were paramedics, but I hope that they're okay. But, you know, is it, you know, give me your rig and get out? Is it I'm going to beat the heck out of you? You know, I got to tell you what. I mean, in my ambulance, somebody wants my ambulance. They want my stuff. You know, here you go. It's not worth it. Here you go. Anymore. Have it exactly You'll but, have it. here's the key to the narc box <laughs> i don't know if i give him that i'm going to hold on to that for as long as possible but uh you know but it's we got to be able to think about the things that we got to do to keep ourselves safe but mm -hmm. it's a shame that we have to talk about this and i hope that the crews over there in uh, montgomery county maryland are okay the they did catch the individual he has been charged and, uh, you know, one of the things that the article says is the EMS providers, you put the EMS providers in a headlock and punch them repeatedly. I don't care who you are. You take a few shots to the head, a few shots to mm -hmm. the face, you know, have at it, man. Take the ambulance. And but yeah. it, it worries me that as an EMS leader, that I have to now take extra steps of precaution to ensure that my employees get home safe at the end of their shift. And I hate reading stories like this. Yeah, I, I do too. And and you can you can set your watch by it in my area. Whenever a story like this hits the news, there will be a memo to all employees <laughs> sent out. Lock your rigs. Don't leave your rigs unlocked uh, even even for a minute uh, when you're outside of them because the for that very thing we've had had it happen at our agency. Thankfully, not in my area, but close by, you know, where someone hops in a rig and uh, that's unlocked or um, assaults a, a crew member and, and manages to get in the rig somehow and leave, lead the police on a merry chase. It seems like it's happening a lot. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, Acadian has done is uh, install keypads on every single one of their rigs. So before, uh, years back, we had uh, we had sprinter rigs and we had the key fob and everything, but the key fob tended to get lost. And rather than, than discipline people for losing key fobs like they should have, they chained the key fob to the ambulance. So uh, you couldn't take it with you and easily lock the doors. We used to have hidden door unlocked buttons uh and it turns out the patients uh, and family members if they're observant enough uh can can figure out how to do that we i had a patient uh, walk out to the ambulance and uh, uh she said uh, i left my purse in your ambulance i said um i said well i'll go get it for you she said no no i, I know how to unlock them it's like okay that's a problem but uh there but for the grace of god go i man i don't i don't want to to uh have that on my record uh 
uh, there's enough black marks there already uh, to, to let a patient steal the ambulance. Well, my next story is uh, about an elder abuse suspect attacking a paramedic and kicking them in the chest. This comes from Petaluma, California. Petaluma Fire Department responders were called to evaluate the patient after he was arrested for battery of an elderly person. It's a 40-year-old man arrested on suspicion of elder abuse, uh, resisting arrest and battery on protected persons and probation violations. He sounds like a wonderful human being, doesn't he? We meet the nicest people in our line of work. Uh, and he's in custody at the Sonoma County Jail in Santa Rosa in lieu of a $50,000 bail. Uh, what strikes me is uh, the dead gun bail is too low. If you abuse an elderly person and, and you strike a, a public safety professional or ambulance provider, uh, they ought to put you under the jail and make sure that you serve out your time or make the, the bail so onerous as to, uh, as to not be a joke. Um, this is something I'm, I'm kind of passionate about. I think any, any EMS provider has had that moment where they've looked at someone who was, uh, had been committing domestic or child abuse or elder abuse or something, and, and everything in you screams to exact a little retribution to give them a taste of their own medicine, but you can't do that. Uh, but man, uh, abusing an elderly patient and then fighting with me about it would, would have the beast rattling the bars of his cage, uh, anxious to get out. Uh, so uh, glad the guy's in jail, but man, we, we, we face this kind of thing a lot. Uh, not just, just uh, um, people assaulting us, but, but people who uh, richly deserve uh, some sort of justice for, for what they've done to other people assaulting us. You know, it's one of the things that we're going to come across, as you mentioned. I mean, we run across all types in this business. And, you know, if people are going to, you know, assault the elderly, assault women, assault children, th these are some really serious people, man. And we've got yeah. to be able to know that as we talk about this challenge with the ambulance being stolen, you know, we are coming up against people that are more and more brazen in wanting to fight and shoot the police and who want to assault and eventually shoot and kill paramedics and EMTs. And we knock on wood yeah. that that hasn't happened. There's been a couple instances where paramedics were shot and killed and, you know, fire-based uh, paramedics and EMTs, um, you know, a couple, uh, <laughs> there was a couple Christmases ago, if I recall, um, fire-based uh, EMS providers that were lured in with a fire that were, you know, shot and, uh, but I got to tell you, man, it's, it's crazy time. Right. And you and I have talked about, yeah. you know, weapons and you and I have talked about body armor and you and I have talked about all these things that we never had to consider. And it really is, uh, an eye-opening experience to think about where EMS is going, the challenges that we have in our field and how are we going to deal with them? Again, my responsibility as an EMS leader is to make sure my people get home and they're not going to get home if they're coming up against yeah. people that are wanting to hurt them. Yeah. So what have you got for us? So there was an article that I enjoyed reading that was uh, written by our friend, Tim Nowak. And his article was three ways you're losing EMS providers and how to stop the revolving door. This is really a crazy time, man. Right. When we talk about recruitment and retention, and yeah. we've got to be able Retention to now think about problem. these challenges, right? But one of the biggest issues, and I think you say it really, really well, 
you know, how people will stay for bad pay with good leadership or they'll stay with uh, good pay with poor leadership, but they won't stay for both. But one of the things that mm-hmm. we have to re- realize is that there is an EMS shortage. But I would like to know, how much of an EMS shortage do we have in agencies that have poor leadership? You know, because there are agencies there are agencies up here that are talking about that um, we have trouble filling our, um, you know, filling our roster. And they have yeah. poor, poor leadership. And, you know, there are other agencies here in the same area that are fully stocked with a waiting list because people want to become part of that system. So is it, is it truly a paramedic shortage issue, an EMT shortage issue, or is it, I'm just not going to work for that toxic organization. And when you start to think about this from the standpoint of recruitment and retention, before you try to fix a recruitment issue, before you try to fix a retention issue, you need to fix the leadership development issue. You need to make sure that your leaders are not leading by command and control or leading from a position of authority, and truly they're there to serve the workforce. The true measurement of leadership success is how engaged satisfied and productive the workforce is everything else is just extra gravy and if my success is based on the engagement of the paramedics and emts their satisfaction and their productivity that's got to be my number one responsibility and a lot of ems agencies that i talk to a lot of the ems agencies that i work with and to be honest with you kelly a lot of the organizations outside of ems that i work with They have a leadership Mm -hmm. issue because people think that the workforce is there for them instead of the leaders being there for the workforce. So it was a really great article that Tim wrote. Go ahead and give it a read. He gives you three tips. And I think uh, that was really helpful. Yeah. uh, Tim makes some some excellent points in there. And and my perspective on it is, is uh, with the current recruiting and retention uh, crisis that EMS is undergoing, uh, it's uh, two things really stand out to me. <clears throat> um, number one, pay incentives have have increased in a lot of places dramatically, which tells me that, okay, suddenly uh, Medicare fee schedule hasn't changed, <laughs> but suddenly you're you're somehow able to to pony up more money to keep people. Uh, so so there are some agencies out there that have have, uh, um, to keep meat in the seat, have actually started loosening up their their purse strings a little bit and paying people uh, closer to what they're worth, uh, which tells me they could have been doing this all along, uh, but but had to be faced with with a major crisis uh, to pony up the money and and pay their crews what they're worth. Uh, and I still don't think they're paid what they're worth in many many cases. But the other thing that strikes me is even that's not working. Even that's not working. Their place is paying incentives and 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 increasing pay, and uh, and, and that works well. Work it worked well in in, in my agency, uh, but we're also led well, and uh, our our local management team is uh, is very proactive, and and they take good care of the crews and and whatnot, and, and that makes a huge difference. But that money alone. Uh, especially for our, our younger workforce, our, our millennials and our Gen Zs, uh, that money alone is not sufficient uh, carrot <laughs> to, to get them to come work there. And they, um, you know, it would seem that some EMS, EMS agencies and their leadership, uh, for lack of a better word, their management uh, is more like it, um, still haven't clued in that culture uh, and how you treat people makes the biggest difference far beyond just, just pay.
you know, I got to agree with you hundred percent and you know, the pay issue isn't going to fix itself. I mean, cause the realization yeah. is, you know, our dependency on CMS is we get what we get. You know, we send a, a $1,500 yeah. ambulance bill out the door. We get 420 some odd dollars in reimbursement. That's how we have to base our operational budgets on how many calls do we think we're going to run and what the reimbursement is going to be based on that on that run volume of $427 or whatever the number is now. Yeah. And until we find an alternative revenue stream and hopefully community paramedicine is going to do that or CMS gets, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, a little bit of gratitude and starts paying for a little bit more, which they won't. And the reason that they won't is because they've been paying us this uh, fee schedule for decades. And why do I want to pay more when they're getting the work done for this? So the pay is always going to be an issue and it has nothing to do with if I get a degree, it has nothing to do with, you know, if, uh, you know, all those things, right. So we have to be able to just know that our income yeah. is fixed. It's almost like we're retirees. It's almost like we're, uh, on a fixed income because we only get the income of the calls that we run. There's, there's no magic bullet out there. There's no, there's no magic carpet out there to say, let's go ahead and get CMS to pay us a thousand dollars a call. Cause that's just not going to happen. I could tell you, man, this new ET three thing, people think that this is going to be the end all be all to get more reimbursement. I got to tell you, I sit on some of these committees that are going on and, uh, I'm hearing that it, it, it's not going very well. I'm hearing that people aren't jumping into the program. I'm hearing that they're not transporting as many people as they thought they were. And one of the things that I keep bringing up is the fact of this has got to work. If this doesn't work, CMS isn't going to say, um, let's do this again. Right. So, you know, yeah. pay is pay is what the pay is now. Right. And uh, unless you get a tax base where there's going to be, you know, more and more uh, tax money coming in based on the percentage of uh, valuation of homes, you know, we're stuck with what we get. And, and we just keep talking about pay more, pay more. It's not that we don't want to pay more. It's that that we can pay more. And that's where the challenge. Yeah. Is. Well, my last story that, that struck my interest was this one about the 3G network shutting down that could affect firearm. Uh, the 3G network shut down, planned by T-Mobile and, and uh, Verizon, uh, that could adversely affect a number of fire alarms and medical alert systems that operate on the old 3G network. Uh, you know, T-Mobile is, uh, is supposed to be shutting down its 3G network by summer, and Verizon uh, is slated for December. Uh, and they're moving to their their 5G network, which is problematic uh, in and of itself because th there have been major uh, news stories about uh, how the the airline industry is afraid of how uh, the 5G network will affect its communications and navigation systems. And, and they've sought uh, legal relief on that and injunctions to block uh, implementation and stand-up of the 5G network because... Uh, because that uh, it poses a safety issue, according to the airlines. So, you know, uh, communications in our country, uh, cellular communications in our country is kind of effed up, man. It's uh, uh, all I have out where I live is is three G, and not even that. Heck, I have to I have to augment my cellular plan when I'm at home uh, with our with our uh, um, internet and. Uh, we're not going to get 5G out here anytime soon. Uh, but 
wouldn't it be a, a kick in the pants if if fire alarms and medical alert alarms and that sort of thing uh, got shut down when they when they uh, sunset this this three G network? It's going to affect EMS uh, disproportionately bad. Yeah, and there's been a lot of issues about this trans, even even with the airports, right? So it's another thing. But I'm glad you brought oh, yeah. up the story because that was one of the stories that I was looking at as well that I didn't pick. But it's a big story, and it's one thing that all EMS leaders, all fire-based leaders have to keep a, a tab on because it's something that we rely on for our communication. And, um, you know, supposedly the 5G network is going to make a big difference. You know, I think, you know, it's one of the things that everything has to evolve, right? I mean, I think we have a good network yeah. right now. Um, but, uh, you know, we see what happens, and we just make sure that we... Uh, you know, we do the right things and we make the decisions that we need to make based on the needs of our organization. That's what comes first. But good week, Kelly, of uh, news. And uh, it's about time that we do the thing that you do to get us up on out of here. Yeah, so guys, you've heard what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. What stories are in the news today that you think we, we need to investigate and, and expound upon uh, or just bloviate, for that matter? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at EMS1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.